Our reading this morning is uh, Psalm 145. Please remain standing. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I know some of you are wondering, when is this passage going to be over? Uh, it's, it's December 30th, so we just thought, hey, it's the end of the year. Let's bring it all out. Um, uh, it is December 30th, um, which means that another year has come to a close. Um, and so tomorrow, uh, many of you will be tempted uh, to make New Year's resolutions um, and you'll keep them for two weeks, uh, and you'll fall, and you'll fumble, and you'll stumble, and you'll fail, and uh, you'll be sad about it, and then you'll wait till December 30th of next year uh, to do it all over again, right? Um, I looked up what are the most common uh, uh, resolutions uh, for 2019. Uh, the first one is save more money. All right, that's a normal one, right? Uh, the second one is the exercise more, lose weight, go gluten-free, become a vegan, I don't know, whatever, um, all that type of stuff. Uh, the third one is uh, travel more um, so that you can spend all the money you just saved in the first one. Um, uh, the fourth one is uh, to make some new friends. Uh, the fifth one is get a new hobby uh, so you can be an interesting person. 
Uh, and the last one, as always, is uh, find love, right? Um, so we make these resolutions. Um, why? Uh, because we get to the end of the year and we say, my goodness, something's got to change. Uh, we, uh, we look at our life and we see all that's going on and we say, man, I just want something to be a little bit different. Um, well, if you looked um, at the headlines... Uh, of 2018 uh, in our national news, you would say, please, can we as a country make some resolutions, right? Um, I watched uh, a Today uh, show recap. It was like 20 minutes long of all of the top headlines uh, from 2018. And um, it was um, anything but exciting. Um, it was depressing, right? Uh, the, the first four things were um, the, the four uh, mass shootings that occurred um, this past year. Country Line Dancing Bar, um, a, uh, the Capital Gazette uh, newspaper um, in Maryland, uh, the Tragic One Tree of Life uh, Synagogue in Pennsylvania, and then, of course, the one close to home, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Uh, 17 lost their lives and, and 15 uh, are wounded. And you just re- that was the first, like, five minutes of the thing, and I just thought, gosh, I can't even listen anymore. Of course, it got better after that, right? Uh, Harvey Weinstein, Les Moonves, uh, Bill Cosby, uh, Larry Nasser, you know, names that are going to go down in history for all the wrong um, reasons. Um, turn to nature. Hurricane Florence uh, rips through uh, North Carolina. Actually, didn't rip through it. It sat there, right, and just poured dumped rain um, on uh, all those poor folks up there and just uh, flooded them out. Um, and then close to home, Hurricane Michael. Rips through our panhandle, Mexico Beach, devastates it, levels it, you know. And for us around here, we kind of like been there, done that. We, we forget about it, right, until you look at something like this. Um, and you say, my goodness. Um, and then, uh, you know, paradise, California, <laughs> the irony of the name. Paradise, California becomes hell on earth uh, as wildfires in California just sweep through um, and level this place, devastate it. Um, and then um, toxic politics. Toxic uh, was actually the word of the year um, in the Oxford Dictionary. Looked up the most. Um, why? Because we said it so much this year, right? Toxic politics, a presidential cabinet that just is on rotation uh, over and over again. Um, we've got Brett Kavanaugh's you know, showdown with uh, Dr. Blasey Ford. We've got um, collusion or not collusion, right? I mean, all this stuff, toxic uh, politics. And so with all that, you go, my goodness, I can't stand this anymore. And so we attach ourselves to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and we just say, at least something, something uh, can bring me a little bit of joy. And so we, uh, the wedding watched around the world, right? Well, listen, I, at the end of all that, I honestly was emotional as I watched that thing. I just I couldn't handle it. Um, because I thought, God, where, where are you, really? Um, are, are, are you here? You know, we sing, um, we sing to our kids, you got the whole world in your hands. <laughs> Do you? I don't know. Um, it doesn't feel like it. Uh, and that's just uh, the headlines of uh, our country. What about your life? Uh, what were the headlines uh, of your life for uh, 2018? Maybe you got a promotion. I mean, maybe you're going into 2019 and you're excited. Um, about what's going on, but maybe you lost your job. Maybe you took a pay cut. Uh, maybe things are looking a little uh, grim for you. Maybe um, uh, in 2018, children were born and, and, and adoptions happened and you're really excited, but maybe, uh, maybe children were lost, lost in the womb or, or lost to the world, and you don't know what's going to uh, become of them. 
Maybe you finished schooling, uh, maybe you finished high school, maybe you finished college, maybe you got your master's uh, and you're excited about what's in front of you, but maybe uh, you ran out of money, maybe you ran out of time uh, and you didn't finish and the momentum that you were looking forward to to, to keep, keep things going came to uh, an end. Maybe you got a clean bill of health um, you're excited about 2019, maybe you got uh, the worst news uh, of your life in 2018, right? What are the headlines? Some of us are just dying for a major headline in our life because the only headline we hear is mommy, mommy, gimme, gimme, um, and we're just dying to get out of our house. Uh, give me a headline, please, uh, besides uh, this. You're just thankful for a day where the kids are alive, um, the house is still erect uh, in, 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 uh, in one piece, and uh, the diapers are in the trash. Uh, that's the only thing um, you've got uh, to hold on to. My, my guess is that many of us are just beat up by life. My guess is that even uh, if you've had a good year, you've worked hard, um, and you get to a moment like now, um, in between uh, uh, holidays and the work, break from work, um, and you're just done. You're just completely done. And you lose perspective. Is God really in charge? Is, does he really have the world in his hands? You listen to those headlines, you listen to the headlines of your own life, and it's like a whirlwind. It's like a tornado. Life is just ripped off of its foundations um, and I would dare to say that your heart's, my heart, um, is out of tune. It's out of tune. Um, we've been, it's been beaten up. It's been overplayed. Um, uh, for us as a family at night, sometimes we play music and, uh, we, we sit around and we strum guitars and whatever else. And my son, Sam got a guitar a year ago and we play that thing. And, um, and, uh, Sam is a, is a, is a little musician, um, he's, he's good. He's got sensibilities um, to the artistic world. Um, his brother Mason, on the other hand, um, is a little bit like a bull in a china shop. Um, but he begs to play that guitar, and he plays it like his daddy, a drummer. Uh, he beats up on that thing um, and beats up on that poor guitar, and the strings go out of tune, and Sam gets it back, and he's like, Ted, what's going on with my guitar? Well, let me tell you something. I think that's your heart today. All right, it's beat up. It's out of tune needs to be tuned again so that you can uh, hear and sing and play the song of God. So if that's you, um, let's jump into this psalm uh, and see how it can tune our hearts uh, to sing the song of God again. All right, so first you've got to remember um, that the Lord is near. Remember um, that the Lord is near. I'm actually starting kind of towards the end of the psalm. If you zoned out while we were reading the psalm, all right, I'll, I'll get to that. But I'm starting towards the second half of the psalm because I think it's where most of us live. This is the part uh, where in, uh, uh, later on uh, he says that uh, we feel like we're the ones who are falling, um, who need the Lord to hold us up, or the ones that are weighed down um, with the weight of life and we need uh, the Lord to lift us up. And I think it's uh, interesting that the psalm starts with all these big lofty words about praising God and singing his praises and pouring forth his fame um, and all these big deeds and mighty acts. And then all of a sudden it zooms in and it gets personal. And it talks about lifting us up and, and, and hearing our cries, um, right? And uh, in verse 18, all of a sudden it says, the Lord is near um, to all who call on him. The Lord is near, but is he? Why do, why do you think those verses are there? Um, it's because the psalmist had to remind himself, he had to remind his people um, that yes, indeed, the Lord is near. Why? Because they have the same questions that you do. God, do you care about me? 
God, do you know uh, what's going on in my life? Do you know uh, what I have gone through um, this year? And so is that you today? As you look back uh, over uh, 2018, does it seem like God is near? Or does it seem like he's really far away? Does it seem like he's uh, distant? Uh, over Thanksgiving, my wife um, got a phone call from one of our old neighbors uh, that uh, we lived next to uh, a few years back, and um, she uh, called us uh, in tears to let us know that her son had passed away, uh, and he had passed away tragically. He was found on the side of the road um, having overdosed um, on drugs. And you know, as pastors, I think you all think we have like a script for this type of stuff. You know, but what, what do you say to that? And I found myself trying to say something and praying, and all I could pray was, God, be near. God, be near to this poor woman um, who lost uh, her son last year. I know another young man uh, a couple months ago was standing in my kitchen, uh, doubled over, weeping. A young man, not at all uh, normal uh, for him, doubled over, weeping. Why? Because once again in his life, he had tried to take a couple of steps forward. Things were going well, an obstacle, boom, comes in his place, um, and he's overwhelmed. He can't, he can't fight through it, and so he's, 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 uh, he feels like, when is it going to stop? When, when am I going to get my chance uh, to make it? When, uh, when is it going to feel like this rock that I'm pushing uphill is actually moving, um, and that the stone uh, is not pushing back on me and winning? Or, or maybe uh, for you, it's a, it's a year of anxiety, um, maybe uh, that it's just eating you up. You're always bracing for the next thing that's going to hit you, right? Uh, you're, um, you're just waiting for um, the shoe uh, to drop. And so you would say, man, I don't really feel like God is near to me at all. What do you do with all that stuff? What do you do when you're feeling all that stuff? Well, I'll tell you. You stop hoping. You stop desiring. You stop longing for anything. Um, because that's why we tell kids, hey, kid, don't get your hopes up. It's a cold world out there, right? Why do we do that? Because kids have hope and kids just, they have this glimmer in their eye and they just kind of dance along and they love life and then we kind of look at them with a cynical uh, view and we say eventually they'll, you know, they'll lose that. Don't get your hopes up, kid, right? Well, the, the saddest part of all that is what happens is that when you've killed your hopes, you kill your heart. Your heart's gone, um, and uh, because it's a lot easier to kill that um, um, than get disappointed again, right? And so when that happens, you start to feel that sense of pain, and so what do you do? You numb it out. I got, I got to numb this pain. I can't uh, deal with it. And of course, there's the obvious ways, but this, this is uh, every addiction <laughs> um, is this uh, attempt to deal with the pain that the world offers us. Right, so the obvious ones, drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. But then there's you know, the more socially acceptable ones, like scrolling Facebook uh, for hours on end. Right? Um, but it's true. Uh, I don't want to think about my world, so I just need to numb myself out. I, uh, my wife showed me a, uh, a meme, and it said, uh, Pinterest definition. Uh, what happens when your wife looks at her phone for eight hours and you start eating salads out of a mason jar? Um, so... Um, this is what we do, though. We, uh, we just don't want to deal with it. Um, we endlessly want the next thing for our house, right? Um, the granite countertops, that's not good enough, so now we've got to get quartz. And then my cabinets in my kitchen aren't good enough, so i rip those out and put them in. And my house, my floor's not good enough, so I've got to take that out. And, and then, um, you know, two years later, we do it all over again because HGTV told us to. So, but we, we do this. Why? I've got to feel good about something, right? We want to make our kids better so our kids become our 
our, our everything, right? So we send them to the best school, and we send them to the uh, best tutors, and we get them into the best sports and, uh, so we can get into the best college and so that they can, what, have a better life than we did, right? All the while, we're really just trying to numb ourselves out. Or uh, what's popular today is we just laugh about it. Why do, you, why do you think we watch The Office for hours on end? It's a show about nothing, right? So that we don't have to feel um, our pain. And let me tell you something. We've lost um, hope. I watch kids lose hope every day. Um, it's a devastating thing. I was at Popeye's. You guys know what Popeye's is? It's a plate. There's fried chicken and sweet tea. And I know I have some health gurus in here, so a little cross-cultural training for you. Um, <laughs> So I go to Popeye's, and the woman at the drive-thru says, uh, hey, do I know you from somewhere? And I, I didn't know. Um, and uh, so I, I, uh, I said, I, I don't know. And eventually she says, well, I think you know my son. Um, and then she told me his name, and my heart just dropped. Because she didn't know that I knew um, that he was in jail um, uh, for a very serious crime, um, awaiting uh, probably a pretty lengthy um, prison sentence. And um, I had watched this kid, um, had, you know, kind of a normal, somewhat tough life, but you watch it in, in someone's eyes. You watch hope disappear, right? You see it as a youngster, and then it starts to go away a little bit more, and then eventually it's just, it's just gone. And so I asked her, I said, how are you doing? And she didn't know that I knew, and she kind of, you, know, you know, fluffed it off. And so here we are in the Popeye's drive-thru, and I said, no, no, how are you doing um, with your son? And she, uh, you, should, you could see the hope was gone in her eyes. Right, hope uh, is uh, is everything, and when you don't have it, um, you lose your you lose your life, you lose your hope, uh, your your heart. Um, I see this all the time, and it's what uh, a man by the name of Father Greg Boyle he calls it the lethal absence of hope. We have no hope. Uh, death is uh, is is waiting in the wings. And so, where are you this morning? A lethal absence of hope. Uh, Maybe not in your whole life, but what, what part of your life? There's some part of your life that you've just killed off, and, and uh, hope is not there anymore. What part of your life uh, is that? Jesus met a man like this. Uh, Jesus met a man uh, who was next, lying next to a pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda. He'd been lying there for 38 years, paralyzed, unable to move. And rumor had it that if you uh, uh, laid by this pool, um, if you waited there long enough, the waters would get stirred up. And if you could get down to the waters and touch them, what would happen? You'd be healed. 38 years. He's been sitting there waiting. And so Jesus walks along, and what does Jesus do? He asks the most offensive question you could imagine Do you want to be healed? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? Do I want, I mean, yes, of course. Do I want um, to be healed? But why did he ask that question? Jesus knew the answer. He wanted to see, does the man know the answer to that question anymore? Do you actually want to be healed? Or are you so hopeless that you don't even think it's possible anymore? And what's interesting is he doesn't answer the question. <laughs> he doesn't say yes. He offers every possible excuse as to why he hasn't made it in there yet. <laughs> He says, well, I mean, uh, I've never had anyone here to help me in when the waters are being stirred up. Or when someone is here to help me uh, get in, someone cuts in front of me in line and gets the healing. I mean, can you imagine that? You've been waiting for 38 years and some guy cuts in front of you. Come on, man. So Jesus asks him, what do you want? And the man missed it, missed the obvious question. Now, of course, Jesus still heals him because Jesus is kind. Um, but the question is before you. 
the same one. What do you want? What do you long for? What do you desire? Or have you given that up long ago? Psalm 145 urges you don't do it. Don't lose hope. Verse 16, the Lord satisfies the desire of every living thing. Verse 19, the Lord fulfills the desire of those um, who fear him. The desires that you and I have um, in our heart are not there um, to be pushed down um, or killed because they're bad uh, when they're not met. The desires of your heart are there to connect you to the Lord. Even the worst of desires, even the ones that aren't good, G.K. Chesterton famously said, um, uh, every man uh, knocking on the door of a brothel is knocking for God. Right? Every desire is, is an opportunity for us to, to come to the Lord. And he says, I'll satisfy um, your desire. Will you see that the Lord today truly is the one that satisfies and fulfills your desires? Even if it's not on this side of heaven. Listen, y'all, he, I know he's not going to meet everything. I know he's not going to uh, give you exactly what you want. Um, At every moment. That's not um, the point. The point is to do what verse 18 says. Verse 18 says, it tells us to call on the Lord in truth. Are you faking it with the Lord? And I don't mean faking it like trying to act good. I mean faking it like uh, not telling him what what you're really feeling. (laughs) Uh, Are you trying to tell uh, the Lord what you think he wants uh, to hear from you? Psalm 145 urges you, begs you to bring your honest, raw heart about all the unmet desires, all the longings of your heart, and bring them to the Lord. That's what Psalm 145 says to do. Bring your honest heart before him, not the things you think he wants to hear. And when you do that, the Bible says you will meet God. You will meet him. Some of you are fighting against this. Trust me, I know. Uh, you're sitting here saying, Eric, that's some pop psychology stuff. Um, I don't want to hear that, especially you men. All right? um, my feelings, I don't, I don't have those. I don't know what they are. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, you've stopped them up for long enough um, that they're kind of gone. But I have a challenge for you. Go read every other psalm in the Bible and tell me that the pouring out of your heart isn't the name of the game. Listen, listen, I mean, just the, just the words. Uh, where are you, God? Why have you forsaken me, Lord? My bed is soaked with my tears day and night. My enemies are all around me. My soul is downcast. The Psalms don't pretty it up. Neither should you. So will you take the challenge? Will you remember that the Lord has drawn near to you? Will you pour out your heart to him? Will you give him yourself? The real you, the whole you, your whole heart, the honest you. And watch what he does. Watch um, how he meets you in that place. And so what's amazing is as the Lord draws near to you, as the Lord draws near to you, he does something amazing. He doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't leave you uh, with just your story. Um, The Lord actually draws you up into the greatest story uh, of the world. And so first, we've got to remember that the Lord is near. But second, we need to remember that the Lord is great. The Lord um, is great. You see, only our God can do uh, two amazing things. Our God can be near to you in the nitty-gritty of your life, and yet at the same time, our God is infinite and huge, right? The creator of the whole world, Um, and he can do that. That's why verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be uh, praised, his greatness is unsearchable. Let me say it to you another way. God lets you know that your story matters, but it's not the only story. And that's actually kindness. Because if the only story in your world is yours, you're just kind of self-absorbed and all this kind of stuff. But, but God cares about your story. But then he says, look up. There's a story that, the world, that I'm writing for the whole world, and you're a part of it. See, one thing that stands out about this psalm is 
all the words that, that are used to uh, describe praising God, right? Um, extol, bless, praise, commend, declare his greatness, meditate, speak of his might, pour forth fame. I could go on and on, right? And it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming that if you're like me, I'm not a very good reader. Um, I start to just zone out. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I got it. Praise God, right? Um, why? Why? Well, he tells us. Just as much as he says um, what, uh, 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 how to praise him, he's telling us why. Why? It's because of his works, his mighty acts, his awesome deeds, um, his righteousness. So what are those that we need to remember so that we can pour forth our praise? Well, it starts with the world. It starts with um, creation. You know, I wasn't going to say this, but uh, this is just too funny to pass up. So as we're singing that song, uh, So Will I, um, my son Sam points uh, to something down here. I don't know if you guys saw it right here. Um, But there was a roach uh, crawling right along here as we're singing about the creation of the world, pouring forth your praise. Even the roaches, apparently, um, are uh, going to do it. But listen, it's true, creation. I, I, uh, I went to Machu Picchu um, two years ago. If you don't know, it's one of the seven, one of, one of the list of seven wonders of the world or whatever. Um, and I, um, we are, I went with my uh, father-in-law, my brothers-in-law, and we did this uh, guy's trip. And uh, we're on the Inca Trail. So we didn't just go to Machu Picchu. We hiked to it uh, for four days. Um, and uh, it was grueling. So um, whenever I was able to catch my breath at 14,000 feet, um, which was rare at times, um, I would just look around me and say, my goodness, God, look at you. Look at what you've done. You know, we would walk through these valleys, um, and, and all around you, mountains would just soar uh, up. I mean, it really, really was like nothing I've ever seen. I've been to the Rockies. I've been to, you know, um, Appalachian Mountains, all that stuff. And this was just like the mountains are touching heaven. It was just incredible. And all you could think about was, my goodness, Lord, when I could breathe. You're amazing. Look at what you have made. And you know this. It's why we look at sunsets and sunrises, and we, say, and we just say, man, who could make a better work of art? And, Lord, you do it every moment of every day. Um, this is our God. But more than that, there's also the moments when, when God comes into the story. Right, and so um, uh, in, in uh, the story of God's people um, in the Bible, we hear uh, of the great works of God. And so our people, the people of God, uh, are in Egypt uh, for 400 years uh, enslaved, in bondage, uh, in misery. And along <coughs> comes Moses, God's man. And God tells Moses, hey, listen, uh, you're going to be um, uh, my man. I'm, you're going to lead my people um, out, of G- out of Egypt. One problem, few problems, Okay. Moses, not exactly um, the, the guy you would think. Moses, a murderer, had murdered an Egyptian man for uh, beating up on one of his own uh, uh, members of his, uh, the people of God. Moses, uh, a man who, who, who said, look, I, I have a speech impediment, God. You want me to go into the king of Egypt and tell him, let my people go, and I can't even get out a whole sentence. How's this going to go? Moses, a man filled with... Uh, a little bit of faith problems, a little bit of doubt, right? Um, <clears throat> but the Lord says, um, I'm the Lord. Are you forgetting who I am? It's not you, Moses. Um, do you remember? Watch me and I'll make you a believer. And, and maybe you, you probably know the story, right? Um, the plagues come. 
and uh, uh, ten of them, and uh, the last one, the ultimate one, uh, the, the firstborn of every household is taken by the Lord. And, and finally, the king of Egypt says, okay, enough is enough, you can go. And so they go, and they're walking out, and they think victory is upon us. Um, and as they go, uh, they get to the Red Sea, they get their backs up against the wall, and the army uh, of Egypt says, oh, I'm not done. Right? And they come after him. And so the people of God standing there with nowhere to turn, and everyone starts saying, now what? God, what are you going to do now? They've doubted again. And God tells Moses, put your staff in the water and watch what I'll do. So he puts the staff in the water. You know how the story goes. The the Red Sea parts and the people of God walk through. um, And the waters come back down on the army uh, of of Egypt. And he brings the defeat. And let me tell you something. In In Psalm 145, as it talks about what are the works of the Lord, the mighty deeds of God, that's it. We could go on and on, but those are the works of the Lord um, that, that, that Psalm 145 um, is talking about. And so do you know that that's part of your story? Do you know that that's part of your history? Now, there's some of you um, sitting here today, uh, and uh, like the rest of culture, you're saying, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Waters parting and plagues and uh, all this kind of stuff. You must be crazy. Um, it's a crock, and you're a fool for believing that stuff. And you know what? I, I have compassion on you because um, you're still in the first point. You've lost hope. Right? You've grown up in a culture that says we've got to move past these old, you know, antiquated ways. This stuff's ridiculous. We're enlightened now. Right? We're our own God. And so the world tries to convince itself of hope, um, but it's elusive. It just slips right out of their hands. Once you've lost hope, um, you've lost life. And so have you, have you tuned your heart to remember that the Lord is great? But listen, is it, is it just these big things? Is it just uh, these, these massive ordeals like parting the Red Sea? Is that the only thing it's talking about? Well, no. You've got to remember that the Lord is great even in all the small things. If you're like me, you drove on I-4 to get here. And if you're here, alive, mighty hand of God. Right? Yeah, I just got some clapping there, right? Amen. I'm scared of that place. I drive on it every day and I think, please let me get here. Um, no, but really, it's the mighty hand of God that you made it here. Uh, driving around. Has a new baby been born to you um, in, this, uh, in this past year? Someone in your family got a new baby. The mighty hand of God. This is the work of God. Healing of any kind of sickness. I don't care how big or small it is. And yes, it's essential oils and the mighty hand of God. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Know, know your audience. I got it. All right. Um, yes. Um, I've got them too. Okay, so... But no, it's uh, anything like that. It's, it's the mighty hand of God. Is your coworker interested in who Jesus is? Even just a little bit. That's the mighty hand of God. Well, when I was writing this uh, sermon, it was pouring down rain. It was that day a few weeks back where, all it did, a couple weeks back, it just rained all day. Um, and uh, I, was, I realized the mighty hand of God. But we live in a world where we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And we just think, oh, this just happens, right? Have you forgotten? Will you remember, will you tune your heart again to see that that is the mighty hand of God, that our Lord is great? Um, If your heart's been hammered out of tune um, because of the world that we live in and you've forgotten about the greatness, I would encourage you um, this day to remember um, that the Lord is great. And so finally we come uh, to uh, this last point, that we need to remember that the Lord is gracious. Remember that the Lord is gracious. Verse 8 
Uh, probably the most obvious one of the whole thing, if you're looking at it. Um, <clears throat> it says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The original audience, um, they would have heard that verse and light bulbs would have been going off in their head. They would have said, this is the name of God. When they read that, that's what they would have said. This is, this is the very name of God because it would have, been, it would have brought them back um, to, the, to Moses and to, to Exodus. And uh, they would have realized uh, that this is uh, the same uh, verse that was, was spoken about of God when Moses said, Moses uh, says to God, will you please show me um, your glory, God? And so the Lord says, okay, I'll, I'll pass in front of you. And as I pass in front of you, I will proclaim my name to you. And he doesn't just say the Lord. He says this, he says, verse eight, he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is God. Our God is, is a God of, of grace. He's a God full of mercy and grace. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What's grace? Unmerited favor. It's getting something that you don't deserve. So what is it that we deserve? Well, let me tell you a little story. Um, every year, Merriam-Webster um, does a word of the year. I already told you the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year. But every year, Merriam-Webster um, does uh, this word of the year. They look back over the last 12 months. They figure out uh, what word was looked up the most. And you know what it was this year? It wasn't collusion. Uh, it wasn't conspiracy. It wasn't impeach. It wasn't any of those words. The word of the year for 2018 was justice. Isn't that amazing? Justice. Well, maybe it was because we heard about the Department of Justice, or maybe it was because we appointed a Supreme Court justice, or maybe it was because we heard about the obstruction of justice. Um, but at the end of the day, um, either way it goes, people looked up this word more than any other word. And why? Because the, the world is dying to see a demonstration of true justice. That's what the world wants. They're looking up this word. They don't even know what it means anymore. Why? Because when they look around the world, all they see is justice twisted. Right? It doesn't even mean anything anymore. Um, and so we don't even know. So what does it mean? Um, well, the world is desperate for justice because the world keeps thinking that man is the author of justice. And, and man's not. God is the author of justice. Only God um, is the author of justice. And so today, will you take a true look at justice? Will you, will you and I stare um, uh, in the eyes of the God of justice, look at him in the face, and when we do that, we'll see that we fall short, right? <clears throat> we will see when we put our lives in the scales of justice that our actions, our inactions, our words, um, our thoughts, all of it, the evidence is skewed. We fall short, guilty, um, condemned. And you might be sitting here today and you say, man, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like a pretty, pretty good person, especially when I look at those headlines you just read, right? But I, I would invite you to meditate on your life and, and, and meditate on and imagine staring um, not in justice as, as, just, uh, 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 as just an object, but in, just, in the eyes of justice as a person. And imagine sitting there looking at it. And I think uh, as you do that, you'll be able to say, yeah, you know what? I've blown it a few times. And I want to let you know, yeah. You have, and so have I, and I blow it every day, and, and so do you. Um, and, uh, but when we do that, uh, what, we, what we don't realize is that we have divorced ourselves from God. We're separated from God because of um, the way that we've blown it. We've got no memory of him. Our hearts are, are aching to go home. Our hearts are, are aching uh, for the Lord. And so what do we do? What's our answer? Well, the Lord. 
has been gracious um, to us. Uh, on June 23rd, 2018, um, 12 young boys between the ages of 11 uh, through 16 and their soccer coach um, ventured into a, a cave in Thailand. Right, and you probably know um, the story. They were going to explore, and while inside, it starts to rain and um, it begins to flood the cave. And so uh, a great rescue effort uh, ensues, and it becomes another one of the headlines uh, of 2018. And um, the boys are trapped two and a half miles down in this cave. No way out. They got no idea. They don't know if anybody's coming. Just trapped. And of course, as you know, a huge uh, rescue effort um, ensues, <clears throat> people from all over the world. And there's a man by the name of Saman Kunan. He was a, a Thailand Navy SEAL um, diver. Um, he volunteered uh, his time to help rescue the boys along with so many others. And his job uh, was one day to take three oxygen tanks, along with the one that he had on his back, um, down in this cave and bring them to the boys. Two and a half miles down. These guys are, are trained divers. Um, and uh, they described, the ones uh, described this journey as treacherous, uh, long, winding, extremely challenging. It would take them five hours just to go one way and five hours to get back. That was best case scenario, right? And so <clears throat> here goes uh, Simon uh, Kunan to make his initial journey. And he makes it. He, uh, gets through all the winding, takes him five hours, and he drops off those three tanks uh, with the boys, probably gives them instruction on you know, what you're supposed to do with these and how it works and all that, and he starts to make his way back because they've got to keep bringing them. Well, he never made it back, right? Why? Because he ran out of oxygen. The very thing um, he, he came to bring, um, he didn't have enough of himself, and, and, he, and he, he was lost. Um, he lost consciousness and died uh, before making it back. The rescuer sacrificed. This is the grace of God. See, we are, we, you and I are trapped uh, in the cave of our own despair, uh, the cave of our own sin, um, alone, without hope, unless someone would come and save us. You see, only God um, can satisfy justice without sacrificing it. See, we think, well, I, I'll, I've been basically been a pretty good person. Um, God will just kind of turn a blind eye to the stuff that I've done. I, you know, I've done mostly, I haven't done any of the crazy stuff. I haven't, you know, killed somebody or whatever. And so we say, gosh, I, I think I'm pretty good. And God will just kind of sweep the other um, stuff under the rug. But do you understand that's not justice? The world's dying to see justice. That's not justice. That would be the death of justice if that's how it worked. But you see, God doesn't have to sacrifice justice because he sacrificed his son, Jesus to satisfy justice. That's how it works. That's the God um, that we talk about. That's the God that we read about in Psalm uh, 145. And so like that diver, uh, Jesus was sent to rescue us knowing that he would die in the process. And that's called grace. You and I getting um, rescue uh, even when we don't deserve it. So listen, in Jesus, we have all three of the points today. In Jesus, uh, we remember that the Lord is near, right? Uh, God didn't phone it in. Um, He didn't call rescue in from heaven. He came near. Jesus, God with skin on. That's how near he came. God uh, with skin on, able to empathize with everything that you and I have going on in our world. That's what it means um, that the Lord has come near. In Jesus, we can remember that the Lord is great. Greatest work of God is that he satisfies justice with his own son. 
that he would author the greatest rescue effort there ever was, and it came with the greatest price tag there ever was. But in Jesus, we also remember that the Lord is gracious. He pays the price so that we can get it. We get rescued. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. So the question for you this morning is, will you believe that this year? Um, Will you trust um, in the Lord? Will you remember, will you tune your hearts uh, to sing his song again? Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, um, we have forgotten. We've forgotten so much. Uh, The world that we live in is busy and fast, and there's so much going on. Um, And we've forgotten who you are. We've forgotten what you have done. We've numbed our pain with all kinds of things. But Lord, you've drawn near to us. Would you help us um, this day, um, at the beginning of a new year, um, to remember that you are near, to remember um, that we can pour our whole hearts out to you. Even the the places that that are filled with pain and the desires that we have that have never been met, Lord, we can uh, bring those to you and you'll meet us there. Lord, help us to remember the greatness of who you are, that you have um, done great things for us. The greatest of those is that you sent your son Jesus so that you could be a God who is gracious. So Lord, help us to remember those things this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.